You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. I've been on a pretty long road trip, and it's not done yet. All right, I've been on the hustle, but the great thing is I'm in a space where I get to bring my family with me a lot of times. So I'm on the road right now with my wife and my youngest son, Brayden, who's really a superstar behind all this stuff. And recently, uh, we were just kind of out hanging out uh, over this trip. And by the way, so cut to tomorrow, I'm heading out to NYC to do something special with Dr. Oz that I'm going to be having coming up for you guys. So keep your eye out for that. All right. But uh, my my youngest son, you know, being on the road for two weeks, this little guy's going to be on the road and hanging out with big fellas and big ladies. Um, I got him some things to bring along with us, plus us as well. It's exposed me to a whole new world, guys. I didn't know about fire sticks, guys. I didn't know that the fire stick could do so much, right? We got instant entertainment anywhere. And I got to use the fire stick to actually watch my guest today's show while I was on the road. So shout out to everybody with the fire stick. I don't even know if it's legal, to be honest. All right. This is probably <laughs> illegal, but it's okay because you can get it at Target. So it's probably all good. But it's just been a great experience. Uh, just finding out how to do this stuff with my kid uh, along the way and exposing him to these new environments. And I just want to throw it out there for you as well, because I love the statement, you know, if, if we can't see it, we can't be it. And so giving our children, you know, even if it's your, if you don't have kids yet, you know, you're maybe your younger brother or your nieces and nephews, give them an opportunity to see what you're doing, you know, take them to the gym with you or work out with, with them, you know, in the garage or wherever you, you know, go to the park. Let them see the stuff that you're doing so they get an imprint or an exposure to all the good stuff. Because I know if you're a fan of the Model Health Show, you know, you're doing, you're getting some workouts in, you're eating healthy, expose them to that stuff. Let them help prepare your food, prepare food and all that good stuff as well. All right. So they can make smart choices. And one of the choices that my little guy makes is having his Organifi. All right. When we're on the road, I bring along my little go packs. And here's why. Listen to this. A lot of folks would ask me, even coming to my clinic, like, should I take a multivitamin? Should I take a multivitamin? And my general impromptu answer would be, no, absolutely not. And this is because most multivitamins are from synthetic sources. So these are highly processed synthetic nutrients. And the reality is like, we think that something made in a laboratory can mimic what nature made. And it's just a fallacy really, because when it comes in food, it's packaged with other cofactors that actually enable your body to utilize the vitamin B12 or the vitamin A, or the chromium, or the boron, whatever the case might be. But getting these isolated nutrients from synthetic sources and throwing it together in some pill is not necessarily the way to go. All right, so I utilize Organifi to make sure we're meeting our micronutrient needs, and here's why. So one of the ingredients, just one of the ingredients, is Moringa. All right, Moringa has seven times more vitamin C than oranges, seven times more potassium than bananas, two times the amount of protein that's contained in milk, and also, of course, milk is considered to be like a super high source of calcium. But Moringa has four times more calcium than milk. All right. Shout out to those who are lactose intolerant. I feel you. This is a better source for you. We don't want the gas and blast. All right. They also contain four times more vitamin A, a.k.a. beta carotene than carrots. You know, that's supposed to be a super source of beta carotene. And also 25 times the amount of iron and spinach. So folks out there who get a little cold might have a little anemia going on, borderline, 
Iron is super important, all right? So moringa is a great source for that. So that's just one of the ingredients. Moringa, they also have spirulina. They have chlorella, all right? Chlorella chlorophyll, highest chlorophyll food that we know about, all right? Potent blood builder, detoxifier. So this is a superfood green blend, all from real food sources. Cold process, so you actually get the nutrients in it that you're looking for, all right? It's not heat blasted, toasted, roasted, fricasseed, and you're not actually getting the stuff that you think you're getting. You're getting that good stuff in Organifi, and it actually tastes good. And that's the key, because my little guy will drink it. So kid tested, model health show approved. All right, so head over, check them out. It's Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model. You get 20% off, 20% off, guys. That's a dub. You get 20% off everything from Organifi, all right, all the time. So head over, check them out. Organifi.com forward slash model. And now let's get to the iTunes review of the week. Another five-star review titled, You've Changed My Life, Man, by Donnie Wani. I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of months, and I've already learned more about my body and my health in that two months than what I've learned throughout my entire life. Like, I'm pretty sure that I was lied to about everything in regards to health since I was a baby. LOL. Thank you for having your passion to help people understand what it truly means to take your health into your own hands or into your gut. I'm on the hunt for a mentor slash coach now, thanks to you. Keep it up, Donovan. Wow, thank you so much for leaving me that review. That means so much to me. I truly, truly appreciate you sharing that and sharing a little bit of your story. And guys, please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave me a review if you've yet to do so. I truly do appreciate it. All right, and got, by the way, if you've been waiting to do it, like I'll leave him a review. You can pause this and I'll be here when you get back. All right, so just head over, leave me a review, and I truly, truly will appreciate that. All right, now, on that note, let's get to our special guest and our topic of the day. Our guest today is Andrea Nevetto, and she began her career on daytime soap operas, One Life to Live and Guiding Light, and in later years had her landing a co-starring role in the hit TV show Jane the Virgin, which is so unbelievably good. Like, I'm so hooked on this show now. <laughs> And I personally first saw her steal the scene in the movie Bright with Will Smith. All right. Shout out to the fire stick again. All right. So and that's on Netflix. So make sure to check that out. And most importantly, she's a dedicated wife and mom of two awesome kids. And she's passionate about health and fitness and has been working like so many of us to uncover what works best for us in this busy world. And I'd like to welcome to the Model Health Show, my friend, Andrea. What's going on? Thank you. What's going on? Thank you so much for having me. You know I'm a fan, so I'm uh, very honored to be here. Oh, it's totally my pleasure. You're <laughs> the best. I just love hanging out with you and getting to know you more. And you're just a really special human. So Really? Thank yeah. you. <laughs> oh, no. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to talk about that and a little bit of your story. So, you know, we do the superhero origin story here mm -hmm. because you are a superhero. Yes. I, I Thank you. I mean, right. wow. Okay. You took the cape off when you came in, but you know. <laughs> So let's talk about it, you know, so and of course, getting into acting uh, happened a little bit later. First, let's talk about where you grew up. Let's start there. Sure. Um, well, I was born and raised in the Bronx. I'm of Puerto Rican heritage. Um, I grew up in adverse conditions, particularly in the South Bronx. We were on welfare for a time. Um, my mother was in a, a, in a marriage with my stepfather that was very volatile and violent and uh, wasn't good for, for me. Yeah. or my sister to see or witness. So that was that was challenging. And I, I was also sexually abused as well. So that was, you know, not a great thing either. Uh, but I will never rewind time, you know, because I feel like 
I've taken an experience that was very painful and I've, I've turned it into my strength. Yeah. So I use that to like power through a lot of challenges that I, I come up in my life. Um, I feel like it's just made me a stronger person. Yeah. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. And, you know, I just got the opportunity to see my mom leave a bad marriage. Yeah. Uh, I, I got the opportunity to, to witness a woman who was dependent on a man to bring in money, was dependent on the government to bring in money and pick herself up by the bootstraps and say, no, I don't want to live like this anymore. I, there's, there's more out there. There's a better life. And I witnessed my mom go back to school, educate herself, get a job working for Merrill Lynch at, at the World yeah. Trade Center. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what a great example that my mother set for me and, uh, you know, in terms of work ethic and, and doing homework. Cause you know, I was in school at the time. I didn't like school. I, I was not a good student. I'm going to, I'm going to admit right now. Yeah. I was not a good student. Um, but seeing my mother model that mm-hmm. model being a student, uh, and, and then having results oriented from that coming, going, getting a job at Merrill Lynch and, uh, working her way up the ladder, corporate ladder, and moving us and witnessing her, you know, write a sort of Dear John letter to my stepfather um, and and pack us all up and move us out and never looking back twice. And that was a, a, a turning point in my life. And thank God that my mother was strong enough to do that. Yeah. And I think I was telling you yesterday at dinner that, <clears throat> you know, my, I think my mom has some guilt about, you know, the way things went down. And she even admitted to me that when I was 12, she apologized to me. Mm-hmm. And she said, Andrea, I'm sorry. I didn't protect you. I was the mother and I should have protected you. And I'm sorry. You know, and that was so healing for me that she said that. I, I mean, so many people would not admit that to their own kid, you know. Yeah. Like they, they would just prefer to, like, not sit in the pain and not... Uh, confront it but so what my mom did that day was really put me on a journey of self-healing and it's made me a better mother and a better person and like just modeling that you know owning up to something that you did a failing a shortcoming whatever it is yeah I now am the type of person that will I'll apologize to my kids like I'm not going to have an ego about apologizing to my kids some people can't do that, you, you know, because they feel like, oh, I'm the parent. I'm supposed to be, be the authority. So no matter what I say, whether it's right or wrong, I don't have to apologize. No, I apologize to my kids because I want my kids to be the people that also apologize too, mm-hmm, right. that also are willing to look at their ugly yeah. and own up to it and then be willing to change. So my mom did that for me. And, and that was really, really important. Of course, I got lost yeah. a little once I hit my teen years. I went off the deep end. Um, Met a guy. Oh, that's how it starts. Oh, man, it was not good. It was not good. Um, but it was good. You know, I was 14. I met a guy. I was, he was my boyfriend for 13, I mean, 13 years. I was 14, and he was my boyfriend for three years. Mm. Could you imagine at that age, 14 to 17, having a yeah. boyfriend? I, yeah. I, it just blows my mind. But I think, you know, coming from an abusive background, Part of what happens when someone has been abused, uh, sexually abused, is that they mix up. Uh, they get mixed up with what love is right. and what sex is. Yeah. And so for me, I just wanted to be close with, with a guy who, who I thought was going to love me and, you know, and that it had to involve that. 
I didn't know I was going to talk about all this. Is this okay? No, this is great. Oh, okay. This is absolutely. <laughs> I had no intention. Yeah, no, this please, because there is, there's people listening right now who need to hear this that feel the same way. There are people, there are parents who have guilt and, you know, they feel like they haven't protected their child in some form right. or fashion, or they feel like, you know, their parent didn't protect them. This right. is the realness of you and what okay, I admire good. so much. Yeah. Okay, good. So, you know, it's like, you can't rewind time. Like, my mom can't undo what happened, yeah. right? But she did so much just by owning up and just by apologizing. Yeah. And it really bridged, it closed a gap between the two of us. Mm -hmm. So that was really, really important. But back to the boyfriend thing. <laughs> so with this guy, not doing the right thing. Oh, my God, I was so lost. I hated school. I stopped going to school for one year. Wow. I just like, you know, Forget on your report it, card, yeah. you got like, you know, A's, B's, C's, D's. I had a Z. What the? What is the Z? My report card was like Z, 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 Z all the way down, and that was because I just didn't go. Man, they was like, "We, what's the last alphabet? Exactly. Letter? Give me, let's give her Z. Exactly. That's crazy. So it took me five years to graduate high school. Yeah. But here's the deal: like, I, I was just like sleepwalking. I, I really wasn't aware, and I didn't know what I was doing. And actually, it was a violent relationship as well. So on top wow. of everything yeah. else, yeah. he used to hit me. And I thought to myself, well, that's normal. That's what happens in relationships because that's what I grew up seeing. And one day, I don't know, the, the switch in my head flipped. Mm -hmm. And probably because I saw my mom leave. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I want better than this. I want, I want to go to college. I, I want to do stuff with my life. Like, yeah. what the freak am I doing? And um, it was also after one episode one day uh, where he, I don't know, we got into some sort of argument, some sort of fight, and he had two pit bulls. One was a friendly one and one wasn't. Mm -hmm. And um, he decided, he was holding a dog on a leash and mm -hmm. he was sort of antagonizing me with the dog and sort mm -hmm. of sticking the dog on me. And I'm, wow, that's crazy. I'm sitting on the sofa and I'm scared, you know, because I'm, I'm afraid. I know that dog. I know that dog might bite me. Mm -hmm. And I had to be smarter. <laughs> so I said, what the, what the freak am I going to do? Um, so I said to him, oh, you're such a tough man. Oh, you need your dog to put your woman in place, huh? Wow, you're just so tough. And all I could think was, I got to get this dog away from me. And so then he says, um, I'll put the dog away. And I'm like, yeah, you put the dog away. Yeah, put the dog away. <laughs> I was like, I got to get this dog away from me. And so then he puts the dog away and then he comes back. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do now? So he starts poking me in the head. What you going to do now? What you going to do now? And I lost my shit. I literally attacked him. I attacked him. We were fighting like there was a ball of people on the floor mm. fighting. I mean, I was punching as hard as I could, kicking, I, whatever the fuck I could do. I had so much pent up rage inside of me. And I took it all out in that moment to the point where he had to pull a knife out on me to get me to stop because I would not stop. And then I was like, okay, now I got a knife on me. What's happening? I had to talk him out of that one, too. Oh, you need a knife. You're mm. such a tough guy. Blah, blah, blah. And he, and he put the knife away. And I don't. It, shortly after that, I broke up with him. 
This is isn't that crazy? That is, I can't yeah. even believe. Like I can't even imagine my daughter who's thirteen going yeah. through something like that. Yeah. You know. Um, but it showed me my strength, and you know that I could stand up for myself, and I held my own. No, I. I wasn't necessarily kicking his ass, but he wasn't kicking my ass either. Mm, I held yeah. my freaking own and I found my strength in that moment that, no, I don't need this. I, I, there's more out there. Yeah. And so I broke up with him pretty quickly after that. And then I started refocusing on my education, on school. And there was a teacher at school who noticed me. I always used to be quiet and mm-hmm. hold, hold, hold everything in. And I would never raise my hand. And he started like calling on me and, you know, and I wasn't even sure if I knew the answers, but I would just try. And I was always right. Yeah. And he, one day he came up to me. He was like, Andrea, what are you doing? Like, you know the answers. Why don't you raise your hand? And I'm like, I don't know. He said, you got to raise your hand. I'm going to call you on. I'm going to call on you every time. Like, oh, man. <laughs> then he started like saying, looking at my grades. What's this? Why, why are you getting a C here? You shouldn't be getting a C. And he was yeah. just holding me accountable. That's awesome. Which was amazing. And that's what all it takes is just like yeah. one person to say, hey. Yeah. You could do better. You are better. And so I literally turned myself around and became an honor student in high school. Mm, wow. Yeah. When from I was from Z's to, <laughs> to an honor student, and I wow. had no idea that I was capable. I really did not. I had wow. no idea I was capable. And I just, I had dreams. I, I always wanted to be an actress, but it wasn't like a realistic thing in my mind. I, I, I want to talk about this mm-hmm. in this kind of transition. Sure. But I just got to thank you so much for sharing that story mm-hmm. because, you know, this is something I'm very passionate about myself, you know, because I grew up in a very volatile environment mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes waking up and my mother has a black eye and, right. um, you know, just a, just a lot of violence. And, you know, it created my character, you know, mm-hmm. to the degree, you know, I kept getting kicked out of school for fighting. I got kicked out of college for fighting. Who does wow. that? You wow. know? And, but people that know me today is like, that's just not my character. You right. know, I'm a very, like, I'm a good person and I just, I care about people. I'm not into like, I don't want to punch anybody in the face. It's just like, it's not attractive to me, you know? No, yeah. But, you know, my environment caused me to feel like I always had to defend myself. I always had to prove myself. And this is how we resolve issues is right. through violence. And so there are a lot of people who've uh, grown up in that type of atmosphere. But of course, there are other people who haven't. Mm-hmm. And, but they are also dealing with scars from the way that they grew up. Maybe it wasn't physical abuse. Maybe it was, uh, maybe it was a psychological abuse, you know, but many people, I, I'm, I'm grateful for you sharing this because for other people to know that they're not alone, you know, right. with the things that people have gone through. And like, I literally, I haven't feel tears right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of walking with you with your story because I was there. I, I really felt like I was there with you. It's just like, who is this guy? Like, I keep, I picture him. The picture, though, is probably messed up. He's got like a jean jacket with like cut off sleeves. You know, <laughs> maybe not far off. All right. So, this is just how I picture it, <laughs> yeah, you know? You know. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know, I just want to thank you for that and for your courage and for sharing that. And, you know, again, this was like an early chapter of your incredible story, which mm-hmm. all of us go through stuff, you know? Right. But so often, so many people right now, they're not aware that they can turn to the next chapter. Exactly. And because of you sharing your story, giving people permission to do that. So when did you start acting? Like, when did this actually take place? Because you said, like, you always wanted to, but what was the first step for that? Was that in college? Uh, it was in college, yes. Like, you know, in high school, I would see the drama department, you know, it was like a, a group or a clique, and I would just 
admire from afar and yeah. I would see them in the theater rehearsing and you know there was a, a pull and like in my heart like I was like oh I want to be up there I want to do that too but I was kind of shy and too afraid to like break into the group and I've always been sort of like an individualist in a sense mm -hmm. and I don't like to be part of cliques or groups and I, I tend to shy away and just be solo um, so I wasn't brave enough at that time to try and figure out how to become part of it. Uh, but in college, um, the only college that accepted me. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, which is kind of cool. I mean, you know, that's a fun story, too. I mean, my, yeah. you know, my teacher, the, the teacher slash mentor yeah. that, you know, was keeping tabs on me. Yeah. He um he says, you want to go to college? And I was like, yeah, you know, it was time to apply, but I didn't have the grades, a grade point average. I had mm -hmm. the grades like my senior year, right, but I didn't yeah. have the grade point average. Same here. Yeah. And uh, the only school that he got to get attention for me um, was SUNY College at Old Westbury in Long Island. And um, so he wrote to them about me and mm -hmm. told the administrator about oh, me. And, so awesome. Yeah. And so then um, the administrator said, we'll have her write an essay. And so I wrote an essay uh, about, you know, why I didn't do well in school and what happened to me and mm -hmm. all of that. And, you know, I had no idea whether I was a good writer or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't really do so great in school, so I had no idea. But um, my teacher took me there to do the interview. Uh, I met the administrator and he goes, uh, I liked your essay. And I'm like, thank you. And he goes, did you write it? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I wrote oh. it. And he goes, it's really good. Mm. Like, Thank you. And so we talked, we talked some more. And then he goes, all right, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to let you come to this school. He goes, but you do not have the grades to get in. But I'm going to let you come. He goes, you don't get good grades, you get kicked out. That's, that's the deal. And I was like, all right. Yeah. And thank God. <laughs> I mean, and I remained an honor student the whole time. But cut to first, sem uh, first semester freshman year. I promised myself that I was going to try new things. I wanted to explore different uh, subjects and things like that. And I didn't know what I wanted to major in. Of course, I knew in the back of my head that there was a theater department. <laughs> and maybe this was my way, you know, like mm. turning over a new leaf or a new environment, new people. And um, I was walking down the hall one day and I saw an audition sign to audition for this play and I'm telling you literally it was like it was like a romantic movie where you you know the two lovers see each other for the first time and they make eye contact <laughs> and the wind is blowing and you're just like oh my god the heart's fluttering and that's what happened to me mm. when I saw that audition sign and I yeah. I was like oh my god I want to go and then immediately I started talking myself out of it right yeah the chatter was like within five seconds the chatter was well you don't have any acting experience Andrea you can't compete against college actors. Uh, you're gonna, um, you're gonna fall on your face in the audition. And oh, and I already started feeling uh, butterflies in my stomach at that point. And then I was like, oh, that's true. I I, I can't do it. I, I shouldn't do it. And and then I started talking myself out of it. But then I made a mental note of when the dates were. <laughs> it's just so funny. It was like I split myself, my head in two. And I was like, okay, that's when the dates are for that audition. But no, 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 I'm not gonna audition. And so then. Um, Days went by and I had it in the back of my head and then just processing it in my head, I said, man, I've made a promise to myself. I promised myself that I was going to be open-minded and I was going to try new things. Yeah. 
And for me, the lesser of two evils was showing up because I didn't want to have any regrets. I didn't want to look back because I already had the regret of not doing well in school. Mm-hmm. You know, I had the regret of taking five years to graduate from college. I had the regret of wasting all that time, you know, and I couldn't get it back. And I yeah. could only get into one college. And it wasn't even like that great of a college to begin with, you know. So I was like, no, I'm going to go. So I made myself go that day. And lo and behold, I got a, a part. And I did the rehearsals, yeah. did the performances. I had an amazing time. I was just in my element. I loved it so much. I was just so in love. And at the end of uh, the production, the theater teachers asked me if I wanted to become a theater major. <laughs> wow. And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> and yeah. um, I wound up graduating with a, a BA in theater with a concentration in acting. And um, and here I am now. <laughs> that moment, that's so beautiful, is that romantic moment led mm-hmm. to you being here today and doing all of these amazing things. So we were hanging out last night at mm-hmm. this restaurant. We give them a plug. Shout out True Foods Kitchen in yes. San Diego. And, you know, just having somebody come up to you, you know, yeah. like, it's like, excuse me, I don't want to bother you, you yeah. know, <laughs> because you of that romantic moment. You know, because of that so romantic beautiful. moment. And this is like one of the things I love to tell the story only because I really want people to follow that gut feeling, you know, that, yeah. you know, the heart flutter, you know, it, when it's right, I think it feels light. Yeah. You know, it doesn't feel heavy. So I like to follow the feeling that I experience that something feels light. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I make my decisions. You know, if something feels heavy, oof. And I and I and I have like hesitation or turmoil, then, and I, I I can't make a decision right away on it. I I know it's not the right thing for me. Like, you know, when you asked me, I mean, immediately when you asked me to do this interview, I mean, it was an immediate yes, and it yeah. felt extremely light. Yeah. But the thing, and then I I hesitated, and then I didn't tell you right away because I was like, I don't want to look desperate. That's terrible. I'm totally a <laughs> video. I don't want to look desperate. Um, but it's true. I was thinking that. But, that was a side note. Oh, uh, that's so awesome. <laughs> and the, big shout out to your husband as well. Yes. Because he's the one who told you about the show. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, my husband's introduced me to Tim Ferriss. And, you know, I got into him and his podcast and his books. And um, and then he also, you know, introduced me to, to your podcast. And um, one of the things I love about my husband is that he's willing to work on himself. Yeah. And we've been together I, so uh, 21 years and he's always been a person who's willing to admit when he was wrong or to at least like work on himself and go inside and do some internal work or read a book or, or stuff like that. And he's been a very good influence on me. Yeah. And I think I like to think that I'm a good influence for him, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I love but, that. You know, it's like people who are, you know, how you always hear that saying, the five people. Yeah. Close to you know, and he's a good influence on me. Um, so yeah, he introduced me to you, and he's a fan. So yeah, well, I just want to thank him for being amazing, <laughs> and also obviously you're amazing too. So I'm I'm very grateful. Um, so after so we got college yes. taken care of, an amazing like epiphany mm-hmm. experience takes place. So how do you start? Where does these soap operas come into play? Were you coming in? Because, you know, I've been doing my homework on you. Yeah. And looking at, like, you're going to be the girl next door, the person you see yourself to be, but it wasn't really like that. So can you talk about that? Yeah. You know, growing up, 
in New York and just in the era that I was growing up in, there weren't a lot of images uh, of me or people of color on television and film. Uh, And if there were, there were some negative ones. And so as a kid, I kind of felt invisible because media is so important. You turn to media every day. It's constantly in your space, in your sphere, your eyes and in your ears. And it's supposed to be a reflection of the world. And it's in some level, way, shape or form, it's telling you how to live and telling you what's important. And so for me as a kid, when I didn't see myself or when I did sort of see myself, it wasn't so positive. And so I had this uh, feeling that I either wasn't good enough because I was a person of color or um, I just didn't count. You know, I felt invisible. So when I decided to become an actress, I knew that, you know, I had the chips stacked against me. It was already chips stacked against you when you decide to become an actor but then just to be an actor of color was even harder but to me I I had no other choice I just I had to act so whether I was successful or not that was I I was going to do it yeah either way um and so uh one of my first professional jobs was with one life to live and I had gotten the audition I was really excited because when I read the scenes that I was auditioning uh it was the girl next door and I was so excited because I felt like, hey, I'm the girl next door. And, you know, the industry is finally seeing that Latinos and, 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 and African-Americans can be like the girl next door. Yeah. And so I was super excited for this role. And I, I show up and I, I do the audition and the casting directors, two casting directors are there and they're looking at me and they're nodding. And they look excited. And, and so they said to me, can you come back tomorrow? And I'm like, yes, I can. I can come back tomorrow. So they said, you know, prepare the same scenes and um, we'll see you tomorrow. Set the date. I was on cloud nine. Next day I come back. I do my same scenes again for them. And I see them looking at each other, nodding their heads, smiling, smiling. And then one of them says to me, so do you do you want this role? And I'm like, yes. Right. (laughs) And like that was so unheard of because whenever you are offered a role, you usually like do the audition, go home, and then eventually you hear get a phone call from your agent right. to say they want you to, to play this role. They're like offering it to me in the room. So I said, awesome. yes, yes, of course I want the role. And I felt so good about myself. Yeah. So they go, okay, well, it starts tomorrow. Can you go for a fitting? It's right around the corner. Um, it was uh, ABC, so it was like right around the corner in the Upper West Side. I'm like, yes, I could go, go to the fitting. So they give me the directions. I show up. I get to the fitting room costume designer and so she starts pulling clothes from the rack and she pulls out like a a mini skirt so I'm like okay mini skirt cool you know put the mini skirt on then she hands me a pair of combat boots Mm. and I'm like girl next door wearing combat boots okay cool cool then she hands me a midriff shirt and some like ghetto fabulous gold hoop earrings Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm like why is she giving me these these clothes, these hoop earrings? And I, like, it doesn't make sense. So I said to her, I said, I don't get why this character would wear these clothes. Like, what is this about? And she goes, oh, well, you're playing the girlfriend of the gang leader. And I was like, what? No, that's not, those are not the sides that I, 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 I read. And she goes, oh, honey, 
those sides, those were, that's a character that's already been on the air. It's uh, that already aired. They just probably didn't have a scene for you to read. So they just gave you something so they could hear you. And I was like, oh my God, it was so crestfallen. I, I was, I was kind of semi in shock and devastated in that moment. And, um, I went home pretty sad and I didn't know what to do because I knew that as a Latina, it was important for me to make sure that I approached all of my roles with integrity and, and with the awareness that I was representing my community. With the awareness that there were, as, was a younger generation that was coming up and would be seeing me and, and modeling after me and, and seeing themselves in me. And so I had a bit of a dilemma because at right, the same yeah. time, I had to pay my rent. Right, you got to eat. Yeah, I had to eat. I, got, I wanted yeah. to get my health insurance through, through SAG. Yeah. What do I do? I wanted to get ahead in my career. I needed to build like a video reel for my demo, my demo reel to represent myself. To sh- you know, because every time, you know, I said, well, can we see her demo reel? Mm-hmm. You know, I needed something that was legitimate. I, I was really torn and I was debating, do I take it? Do I not take it? At the end of the day, and it was really hard for me. I had to like swallow my pride and take that role. But I decided that when I was going to play that role, I was going to play it as it was written on the page. Yeah, I'll wear your ghetto fabulous hoop earrings. Yeah, I'll wear them. But that doesn't mean I'm going to bring in the attitude. I'm not going to bring in that like stereotype that people want to see us in, that people think we are. That's not because I know that's not who I am and that's not who most of my people are. And so... um, you know, if I got directed to have more be tougher, or like kind of like be sassy or chew some gum, I wouldn't do it. And I would just nod my head. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I heard you. And then I would do what I wanted. And um, eventually uh, I, the role was supposed to last four months. It lasted two and a half years. Wow. And I truly believe that if I had played the stereotype that was written on the page, it would not have lasted that long because it would have been one note. It would have been boring. It would have been um, one-dimensional. And, you know, it would have been damaging to my psyche and the people who are watching the show. Yeah. And so uh, eventually the character started to have a little bit of a conscience and um, have more of an interesting storyline where she found herself in some dilemmas and caught, caught in between, you know, good and bad and all this other stuff. And I eventually I got paired with like one of the lead characters on the show and all this other stuff. And I truly believe that, you know, yeah. if I hadn't, if I catered to that stereotype, I wouldn't, wouldn't have lasted that long. And yeah. I'm grateful that I did it because, you know, it paid the rent. I, you know, it was, and it gave me some credibility. Right. So got the quote put in the door, you know, put in the door. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, first of all, it's really, Amazing. And I'm seeing this now, you know, even with folks listening to the show, uh, the younger audience mm-hmm. and how much awareness that they have. Like you yeah. had this awareness about like, this is bigger than just me. Exactly. And how I'm portraying myself and having that awareness at such a young age and approaching your career with that is is mm-hmm. just really, really powerful. Yeah. You know, I mean, here's another awareness. I'll just throw it out there. <laughs> you know, when I got started in the business and I was, you know, 19. There were some opportunities that 
came across my way, you know, with some names, uh, name men in the business that, you know, I um, could have had, you know, an intimate relationship with. But I decided at age 19, when I decided to become an actor, when I made it my major in college, I made it my major. I was like, you know what? If I'm going to get ahead in this world, I'm going to get ahead on my merit, on my talent and my hard work. There's no way that I'm going to get ahead and be the girl that someone can say when I walk into an audition room or anything like that. And someone whisper about me. Oh, yeah, I did her. No, that's not going to happen with me. And so I was in those some situations and um, I never went there. You know, I didn't allow to go there. Um, And I I had that conviction early on, no matter what, I was going to get ahead on my merits. Yeah. And that's much, of course, that's easier said than done, you know, and a lot of people don't think about, you know, the real world situations. No, I mean, I'll be real honest. I mean, I was attracted to some of these people, like for sure. I, you know, you're good looking, you're hot, you know, whatever. I'm a young woman, you're, you're, you're looking guy, whatever. Um, if they weren't famous, maybe I would have been like, yeah, yeah let's hang yeah. out, you know? <laughs> but no, they were famous. So I was like, no, I'm sorry, you're yeah. famous. I can't. I, I already yeah. decided. So, you know, my answer is, is done. Yeah, um, that's standard. We were just talking last night, my wife shared with you and how we met. You know, she, it's very, we have so many similarities. And by the way, so in high school, uh-huh. um, when I got kicked out of high school for fighting for my entire junior, I was there my junior year, maybe like a month uh-huh. when I got kicked out. My mom didn't, uh, withdraw me from the school records like she should have. And mm-hmm. so I ended up getting straight F's oh, wow. for, you know, for that semester. And it dropped my, like, I, I was a good student. You know, I, I think maybe like 3.8 or whatever. And it went down to like 2.9 or something like mm-hmm. that. And so my senior year, I had to go to zero hour, which was, because, you know, you have first, second, third yeah. hour. It was a zero hour. It was zero so I'm like hour, the right? only senior on the bus with the, you know, under, you know, lower classmen, you know, yeah. going to school like six in the morning or something crazy. Oh, man. And I was also taking correspondence courses at home. Like I was doing whatever it took, you know. So I ended up uh, graduating three years of high school, you know. Oh, wow. And, you know, m- but me getting into college, same thing, you know, teachers taking an interest in me and I needed mm-hmm. those letters of recommendation big time. Yeah. And so I was fortunate, like I got to pick what school I went to. I didn't necessarily go to the ideal school for me. I got kicked out of that school as well. Oh, but, man. <laughs> you know, but just having that experience. And so my wife, uh, last night sharing with you, you know, she was in a bad relationship. It was, a, you know, seeing this pattern of behavior. Mm-hmm. Like you saw, you know, you had your stepfather. And then we tend to attract what we know. Exactly. And this yeah. is why it's so important to have other examples. And so seeing that situation, you know, in her household growing up, you know, mm-hmm. with violence. And then as she got a little bit older and, you know, in her teenage years and getting, I don't even, I don't acknowledge that she had a boyfriend. I know, you to said me, that last you know, night. Like he, you were like, who? Is, you no, know, that, that person no did name it. person? The no-name you know, person. Yeah, okay. the no face, no name. <laughs> but, you know, so when she finally had the strength to, to get out of it, uh-huh. uh, some time went by. She was just sharing last night. She had, she was really happy about being, single, like being by herself and just yeah. like being free because she never had that experience. Right. And also coming from another country, you know, when she moved here, it's just kind of like really kind of sheltered in a way. Mm-hmm. And so she, she said it last night, a couple of weeks before she met me, she had, for whatever reason, decided to write out the things that she wanted in a man, right. you know, in her boyfriend or the next person that she's with. 
And when she met me, and this wasn't until like a while later, she came across the paper. She was like, he's all these things, right. you know, it's like how you can manifest that something. clarity. Yeah. Right. But also she had her standards on what she wasn't going to accept. Exactly. You know, and it can be sometimes the standards can be finessed. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, when I met, I had two kids, mm-hmm. you know, I had a little boy and a little girl, you know, and when she met me, that was one of her things. He doesn't have kids. Mm-hmm. So when when I told her and I was very she shared a lesson, I was very upfront about it. Like, yeah. These are, this is like, this is my world, you know, and if you're going to be a part of it, this is how it is, you know. And of course, and I waited even a while before I even, you know, introduced just to make sure she was going to be around mm. because, you know, prior to meeting her, I was, was not the, I, you know, I wasn't the best, you know. Right, yes. And so a lot of people, you know, never saw my kids. It was just me and them, you know, I'd have them. And then whenever not with me, then I'd be doing the jean jacket ripped off thing minus hitting people <laughs> minus you hitting. know but definitely <laughs> like good. not being a great guy <laughs> right and so um but having that clarity mm-hmm. on what you want and really sticking to that despite the temptation despite the seductive thing if it's like nine out of ten amazing things yes. on your list that's probably good exactly you know? yeah i mean you know what do they say aim for the the stars and you might land on the moon or whatever. Yeah, you just have like to, that. you have to aim. I know that's totally wrong. Shoot the moon, land in the star. Land in the star. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm so bad. Why did I even try? I don't Why know. did I even try to do that? I don't know what it is. Wait, is, let's get it. So Wait. shoot for them. If you shoot for the moon, even if you miss, you'll, you'll still land amongst oh the stars. Oh my God, thank you. Yeah, I got those. Uh, they're, they're always there. I'm I'm like, <laughs> I'm so bad with sayings and I try them anyway. <laughs> I love that. I love That's why I'm you the, and my wife get along. Yeah, it's not I, her I, cup of tea. It's like, like saying, um, I don't even know, hitting the nail on the head or whatever. <laughs> you hit the head on the nail. Oh You're going to say it backwards. Gosh. Anyway, whatever. Um, so I don't know. Where were we? We were talking about the standards and, you know, having that list. Like for you, your standard was, you know, I'm regardless, I'm not going to hook up with guys that are in this field mm-hmm. because I don't want you know, my career to be based in any way, shape or form on that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so there was a one life to live. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And what then, else? so, and there was another soap opera too, right? Yes. I was on guiding light for guiding a year light as and, well. So, but eventually, and this is what we want to really talk about, which mm-hmm. is how I know you now. Yeah. Um, how did Jane come about? Well, Jane is a really interesting story because most people will probably think that I just showed up in an audition and got the role. Uh, But it didn't quite happen that way. Um, You know, I've been acting, I want to say, for over 27 years. That's including college. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been a long road. And and it's been a long road of of growth and self-discovery because I had challenges of of mindset challenges. So, you know, a lot of insecurities, which I still have, (laughs) still working on. I don't think they 100% go away, but I am very proactive in, in them. And I, I like to talk about them because I feel like it's like shedding a light on, on it and not letting it stay in the dark. Yeah. Because then when it's in the dark and it's hidden, it, it rules you. And I want to be the one in charge. So I like to talk about my insecurities, um, especially because I want people to know that, you know, they see me on a television show and they think, oh, she's got the perfect life. And, you know, you look at, you know, social media and it looks so ideal and yeah. you know yeah i'm doing fun and cool and wonderful things and but you know i'm walking around with insecurities i really am and i'm working on myself and it's one of the reasons why i love your podcast because i feel like 
you know, the things that you share, the things that you you share with your audience is, is to make us better people. And that's my my MO. That's I want to be a better person, yeah. you know, inside and out. So um, anyway, Jane, so been been with my husband for 21 years. You, you can imagine a lot of water under the bridge. And, you know, I think your your significant other is your teacher. Yeah, definitely. Uh, your significant other is your spiritual teacher. I, let's be more, even more specific as your spiritual teacher. So Richard and I have had, you know, a lot of ups and downs. And there've been many times where I really thought that I was going to leave him and I was going to, I was going to divorce. Um, we have two kids right now. They're age 11 and 13. And, um, you know, for a while there, uh, I was really unhappy. My manager, his name is Norman Elagem, by the way. I love, I love that name, Norman Elagem. He, um, he wasn't my manager at the time. I had only agents. And he said that um, one day he was sitting on the sofa with his wife. His wife was a big fan of Law & Order SVU. And he said, three nights in a row, I appeared on his television. Mm. And he's like, wow, what? Like the third day that I appeared on his TV set, he's like, who is this girl? I've never seen her before. And so he looks me up and he, he's like, huh, she should be working more. So he reaches out to my agents at the time who didn't let me know mm, immediately that he had contacted me. So he waited a while and then eventually he reached out to me through Facebook and he sent me this beautiful, eloquent message apologizing right away for reaching out to me through Facebook because it wasn't the proper avenue. It wasn't the most professional, but that he had tried through my agents and didn't hear um, but that he saw me on SVU and was really interested in representing me. So this wasn't the first time that people had reached out to me through Facebook who wanted to be my manager. So I'm like, please. Right. <laughs> oh, I started getting New York. Please. You just want my 10%. You know? <laughs> I ain't giving my other 10%, you know? And so then I'm like, oh, and what kind of name is Norman Elagem anyway? That's a weird name. So I said, let me Google this guy. So I started Googling him. And then I start to find out that he was one of the founders of Writers and Artists Group, which went on to become Paradigm, which is a big talent agency now. Um, he was the head of talent for 10 years at Paradigm. He represented Lawrence Fishburne, Sharon Stone, Catherine Heigl. Like the list went on. And I was like, hmm, okay. well, maybe I want to talk to this Norman yeah. Elagem dude. <laughs> and thank God for Google. Anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Then he also, um, I discovered this blog that he had started called Letters to Mackenzie. And he had decided that he wanted to write a letter to his daughter, who was probably like nine or 10 at the time, um, a letter every week for one year to her, expounding his love for her, expounding, uh, talking about the funny things she did that week, um, life lessons, things like that. And he did that for a whole year and with the intention of her seeing it when she turned 18. And I, I read a lot of the letters and I'm like, oh my God, these are so beautiful. They were so well written, so eloquent, so endearing. I said, wow, what kind of person would do that? This is a quality person. This is the type of person I want in my sphere. I only want people who are, you know, just connected on a spiritual level, who are willing to be vulnerable, who are willing to just love, you know? Yeah. And he's like a businessman in, in L.A. doing this. And so I decided that I wanted to work with him, but I didn't tell him that. Mm -hmm. I put him through the ringer. Um, uh, I grilled him for about an hour on the phone. 
Uh, we met in person in, in New York as well. I loved his energy. I'm all about energies with people. And then um, I had a, an independent film that I was uh, that was coming out in L.A. In a, in a film festival starring Paul Sorvino. So I told him I'm coming out to L.A. Uh, so, you know, yeah, let's start working. And so I literally landed that day. He had an audition for me the next day, which was for a, a film called Super Fast. And it was a spoof on The Fast and the Furious. So mm -hmm. I got to play Michelle Rodriguez and do my little comedy. Um, so that was the first thing he sent me out on. I booked it. And then the second thing um, he sent me to was a, a general meeting with uh, the different networks. And one of them being the CW network, which is what Jane the Virgin is on. So when I show up, um, I'm in the waiting room. To, to meet with the casting directors there. It's not an audition. It's just like a general meeting. And I'm sitting there and there are monitors in the room, uh, in the waiting room that are, have all the trailers for the shows that were currently on the air at the time. And so as I'm sitting there, I'm looking, I'm looking at all these young, beautiful people. And I'm going, where are the brown people? Mm -hmm. Why am I here? And I'm literally sitting there thinking, oh my God, they're not going to give me a job. They don't have any shows that I would be on. They wouldn't cast me in anything. And so I'm thinking that to myself. I'm going, Andrea, you can't be thinking like that. You're, you're about to meet with these people. I'm like, don't say anything. <laughs> okay, so I made a decision with myself not to say anything. So the ladies come out. They bring me to the office. We're, we're sitting there. We're shooting the shit. We're having a great time talking. It's flowing. The conversation's so good. I'm having a great time. And next thing you know, I hear myself saying, you know, I was sitting out in the waiting room and I noticed that you don't have a lot of people of color in your shows. And then there's another part of me going, Andrea, what are you doing? You're ruining this meeting. And the other part is like, well, you ain't going to get a part anyway. So I'm like just going back and forth in my head about this. It's like, you know, the two devil, well, a devil and an angel on each shoulder. And so the reaction was a little shocked. Like they were a little shocked when I said it. And and they got slightly defensive and they go, well, well, well no, uh, well, there's this show that has this, but, you know, but they're not main characters, you know, like, like super main characters. And I didn't say that. But anyway, so she goes, well, there is a show called Jane the Virgin. It's a pilot that we're going to be auditioning uh, in, in a couple of months time. And you would be great for the mother. And I'm like, really? OK, cool. And it didn't stick in my head at all. The, the title or the character, it was kind of like a weird thing. I went back home. When I got home, my, my in-laws at the time were in their mid to late 80s. My, um, shortly after I got back, my father-in-law died of cancer. He was diagnosed with cancer and 10 days later died, passed. And my mother-in-law was in the hospital and she had always been sickly with diabetes and congestive heart and all these things. So <laughs> I was new, a new client with, my, with Norman Elijah. And um, he had always been saying to me from the beginning, you, you've got to come out to L.A. for pilot season and pilot season's like January, February. Meanwhile, this was December. I knew that was on the horizon. My father-in-law just passed away. My mother-in-law in the hospital, super, super fragile. My children young. And my manager's telling me, you got to come out to L.A. and you got to come out for at least a month. And also the mar your marriage as well. Yeah. So. You know, so... So now I'm thinking, oh, my God, how, how am I going to break this to Richard? And he's going to think I'm a terrible wife. What are people going to think of me that I leave him in this condition with this loss and handling his mother in the hospital? 
running a business and my young children. How can I leave? What kind of person would I be if I left? And so I was holding it in, holding it in, and I didn't say anything to him. And then my managers kept calling me, Andrea, are you coming out? Yeah, yeah, I'm coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm coming out. Okay. Uh, and so like, when, when, when are you coming? And finally one day I, I got brave enough and I said to Richard, hey, you know, my managers really think I should go to LA for pilot season. It's going to make all the difference. And he goes, go, go. And I'm like, really? Yeah, go. And I didn't believe him. I go, oh, he's just testing me. He wants to see if I really love him. This is a <laughs> test. Yeah. And so I tortured myself for two more weeks. Oh my God, what kind of person would I be if I leave my children and my husband and the state and la la la. And then finally I was like, I gotta go. I know in my heart I have to go. And so I went up to him again. I'm like, Richard, I really, I, I have to go to LA. And he goes, I told you to go. I got this. Don't worry about it. Just go. And once he said that, I was like, if I don't do something about this right away, it's never going to happen. I ran to my computer. I ordered plane tickets. I had to solidify this thing because if I left any crack in the window of backing out, I would have done it. Mm -hmm. And so I had to solidify it. Got the plane tickets. Got on the phone with my best friend, Dahlia. I need a place to stay. She lives in Studio City. She was like, you got a place to stay. No problem called Norman Elagem, Norman Elagem, I'm finally coming to LA, but I need a car. He's like, I got a car for you. I just bought a new one. You can have my old car until I sell it. All right, cool. Got the car in place. I managed to find babysitting easily. I mean, everything just fell into place. It was like the stars were aligned. I had no resistance whatsoever. The only resistance that I experienced was in myself. Right. I got on that plane and all of a sudden I just had this peace inside me come over me and I just knew that I was in the right place I knew that that was what I was supposed to be doing and I had a lot of time to reflect you know six hour flight on the way to to LA and I thought about why did I have such trouble with this why was I experiencing so much turmoil to to make this decision and I had to be honest with myself and I realized that No, I can't use my husband as an excuse. I can't use my kids as an excuse. You know, they'll all survive. It's just one month. It's just a blip on the screen of all of our lives. One month. The real reason why I had such turmoil and resistance to going was because I was scared that if I left them in that condition in the worst time to leave, for an entire month and came back with no job, it, I would feel like a failure. I would feel like I wasn't good enough. I didn't make the cut. And it would be so embarrassing and so heartbreaking for me. And um, happy to say, three days later, when I, after I landed in LA, my first audition was for Jane the Virgin. Mm-hmm. And um, as soon as I walked out of the office, they called my managers and said, we want to put her on hold. And thus began the wild roller coaster ride of being put on hold for a series regular role. And I had to do three more auditions, screen tests in front of all the execs at CW and uh, chemistry read with Gina Rodriguez. And I came home 
with a freaking roll. I came <laughs> home a month later. I came home a winner. I came home and I showed my my husband and my kids that I was willing to take a bet on myself, that I was willing to say that I count, that I have a voice and I'm important and that your dreams are worth pursuing. And you can't use your kids as an excuse. You can't use other situations as an excuse. At the end of the day, it's you. You're responsible for everything that happens in your life. And so I was able to, to model to my kids and even my husband and even myself that you have to dare to dream, dare to get outside of the box, dare to get outside of your comfort zone, dare to face your fears, because that's where the magic lies on the other side of that. It, when you stay in that comfort zone, ain't nothing going to happen. Yeah. And so I'm so glad that my kids have gotten to witness me be scared and do yeah. something anyway. And it's been a blessing uh, because, you know, the kids got to be out here for two years of school and, and live in California by the beach and come watch me work and watch me again be scared for certain situations and put myself on the line at events and, you know, interviews and all kinds of stuff. So they've got got an opportunity to see that they got an opportunity to see me and my husband make something work that you know is not a traditional ideal way that a family could or should be functioning and uh disregarding the should and you know saying hey no excuses we're gonna make this work and so it's been it's been a great experience but challenging for sure oh wow i i just i'm so grateful for you sharing that Mm -hmm. about um you know, because a lot of people might see you and they don't, they don't see the fact that you have, and you shared this with me before, mm-hmm. you have insecurities as well. Yeah. And for you to have these fears and for you to continue to push forward anyways, we actually just did an episode recently with my really good friend, uh, CJ Quinney, who is kind of like the mastermind behind Eric Thomas, the, you know, number one motivational speaker in the world. And he just talked about, because also like guys in this power position, for him to come out and say like, I have fears all the time. You know, right. and the difference between folks who are like, you know, struggling to really step into their greatness and folks who are succeeding at the highest levels is that they still have fears, you know, just like, you know, you still have your fears, but we just go through it anyways. We just move through it anyways. And for right. me, I kind of had this, this switch. I don't even label it the same. Of course mm-hmm. I, you know, I just spoke on stage at this event, you know, mm-hmm. uh, was it was yesterday? It's kind yes, of all running yesterday. together. I know, it's all <laughs> one big day. <laughs> you were there, which was so cool to, to, to have you there. But, you know, there are all these people that are kind of counting on me to deliver a message and, you mm-hmm. know, to give them something of value. So, of course, there's a concern there. I can label it as fear. For me, I just label it differently as, you know, I'm really excited to mm-hmm. share this. But yeah. there's fear there. I have fears. Everybody has fears. But that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. And f- at some point, there's this grandiose idea, I'm going to be fearless. Mm. That doesn't exist. Like, if you're yeah. fearless, you're not even here, you know? So it's just, I'm just so grateful for you sharing that. And also, if you could talk a little bit more about that, you know, um, having insecurities. Mm-hmm. And because there are so many people that feel the same way. And, you know, they look to somebody like yourself who, you know, you seem like you have so much and it would be like, what insecurities does she have? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you you grow up in a violent household and and you've been sexually abused as a child, how do you not have insecurities? You know, it's just, it's just, it's my, my lot in life. You know, no one goes through life unscathed. 
And so, you know, I've had to take the message of not being, you're not important enough to be protected and, you know, revered and endeared and all that stuff. And I have to turn it around on itself and say, no, I love me. I have to make choices that are loving to myself. Um, so like when I decided to leave my boyfriend, that was a choice of me picking me and loving myself instead of turning to ex external circumstances uh, to, to find love and validation. I have to turn around and love myself and make the choices that are good for me that are going to help me. And so um, that's what I do when it comes to fear. And like you said, everyone has them. So you know, and I have probably my own customized Andrea fears that probably, you know, is different. It's probably like a fingerprint for everybody. You know, we all have our triggers. And I just every day make a conscious effort to see what it is, to talk about it, to get it, shed light on it, to take it out of the shadows, to disempower it and empower myself um, through meditation, through exercise, through nutrition, uh, through reading, you know, educating myself. Um, just trying to be the best person that I can be. I mean, I have to love myself and that's, that's how I conquer my fears. Mm. Wow. Um, I would love to talk about, because Jane the Virgin, the show itself is amazing, mm -hmm. but I would like to talk about what it means, you know, mm -hmm. the deeper level, the things that have come about as a result of you saying yes and the right person coming along with the, 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 the writers and the script and the, and the production. Mm -hmm. It's changed the landscape yes. for a lot of us. And I'm going to do that right after this quick break. So sit tight. We'll be right back. Today, we're in the midst of a new revolution with our understanding of food. We used to just be focused on this macronutrient paradigm, proteins, fats, carbohydrates. Carbohydrates and proteins got a pretty good name, but fats were drugged through the mud. Why is that? Because it's called fat. All right. The name implies something different than the other two. Because when we hear the word fat, we think about fat on our bodies. Fat in food and fat in our bodies are two totally different things. And it's like thinking, if I eat blueberries, I'm going to turn blue. When you think that eating fat is going to turn you fat. It just doesn't work like that. And any of those three macronutrients can actually put fat on your body if you eat too much or the wrong types. Healthy fats, which I'm proposing that we start to call lipids or even energy, are incredibly important for every single function in your body. Your cells, every single cell in your body, we have upwards of 100 trillion cells that make you up, require fats to just maintain the integrity of your cell membranes. We're talking about the thing that holds your cells together and enables your cells to communicate. It's very important. Also your brain, your brain is mostly fat and water. This is why Fats are so important. When you're deficient in fats, especially the right kinds of fats, you can see some big issues. So in order to address that, some of my favorite things today are MCT oils. And specifically, if we look at emulsified MCT oils that actually taste amazing. And these are medium chain triglyceride oils that are extracted from things like coconut or palm. And these medium chain triglycerides have a thermogenic effect on the body, which means they are able to positively alter your metabolism. All right, that's number one, thermogenic effect from MCT oils, positively altering your metabolism. Number two, MCTs are more easily absorbed by your cells. So unlike conventional food of any type, 
that has to go through a pretty arduous process of digestion, turning that food stuff into you stuff, MCTs are able to go directly to your cells and provide almost instant energy. And number three, MCT oils are very protective of your microbiome. There's so much research today about the importance of having a healthy microbiome and the integrity of our gut. MCT oils are one of those things that help to support that because they're especially effective at combating viruses, parasites, bacteria. There's so much goodness that is able to be found in these MCT oils, but you want to get the good stuff. And for me, that's why I go to onit.com forward slash model. That's O-N-N-I-T.com forward slash M-O-D-E-L to get the emulsified MCT oils, which is like a coffee creamer. These are great to add to your coffees and teas, smoothies and things like that to get in a little bit of extra flavor plus all the benefits of MCT oils. They're easy to stir so you don't have to throw everything into a blender just to get a nice coffee drink, but also they taste good and they make the process of being healthy, fun and enjoyable. So head over, check them out. They've got vanilla, coconut, cinnamon swirl, and strawberry. It's one of my favorites. So go to onit.com forward slash model for 10% off your entire purchase, not just for the MCT oil, but all of the health and human performance supplements that Onit carries and all of their fitness equipment, gear, and so much other cool stuff. All right, head over there, check them out, onit.com forward slash model. Now back to the show. All right, we're back and we're talking with my superstar, superhero friend, Andrea Nevetto. Ooh, and, that was good. <laughs> and just before the break, uh, I was just talking about how Jane the Virgin itself is really kind of transformed culture in a way. And it's just like this huge, like you were talking about things that chip away. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, there have been a lot of people like Rita Moreno, Jennifer Lopez, uh, you know, Eva Mendez. The list goes on of Latino performers uh, throughout the years that have uh, been picking themselves uh, saying they're important, saying I have a voice, saying that I count by showing up. Yeah. And so all of us have been contributing to uh, making sure that we are seen and heard um, and chipping away. Mm -hmm. But it's never been like enough, always in my opinion. Um, but I feel like Jane the Virgin has been a one big wallop instead of a chip mm -hmm. in terms of showing Hollywood that people of color will make them money. People of <laughs> right. color are important. People of color are entertaining. People of color have uh, something important to say, something to contribute. And um, since Jane the Virgin uh, came out, uh, critically acclaimed across the board, like not one bad review, uh, Golden Globe nominated. Gina Rodriguez won a Golden Globe for her role. Um, it's just been incredible and it made such a big dent in this challenge of not having enough diversity in yeah. media. And, um, so the following, uh, pilot season, my, my agents told me, you know, there's so many roles for people of color now since Jane came out. It's just like night and day between within one year's time. And so many of their clients that they couldn't get roles or couldn't even get them in the door have something to offer them. And, yeah. and it's been great. It's been a dream come true. And I'm very proud to be one of the faces that has um, uh, been a symbol, symbolic yeah. uh, to, to represent people of color and Latinos in, in, in the media. I was telling you this last night uh, when we were all having dinner 
that, and I didn't know if you really like thought about it before and how you are, you're like a major part of this movement. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's such a position, like even since you were, you know, younger and first getting into acting and carrying that, that sense of responsibility mm-hmm. in how you're portraying roles on television because it's such a huge impact and a trickle down effect right. in giving positive examples, which this show, um, you know, I shared that it just, it makes me, it, when I first watched it, I didn't know what to expect, you know, right. um, but it made me feel really good inside. It really made me feel like, like I felt like I was at home in a way. Like I felt like I was watching family uh, yeah. Even though slightly different culture, you know, yeah, but it just yeah. like felt like so right, you know, and I was so proud and so happy uh, to see positive portrayal of, of, you know, first of all, women. Women, exactly. You know, yeah. and also, you know, women of color and also integrating with other cultures as well. You know, nobody's left out. We're all really one big family yes. in a way. We're like at most like eighth cousins, you know, eighth and cousins, just but right. seeing that. And seeing the, you know, the, the connection, seeing the uh, display of, of responsibility and empathy and, and overcoming hardships and just all these beautiful messages. And by the way, so quick premise of the show, but I'm not going to give it away. Uh, Jane, she's virgin, 20 something. Yes. And she's saving herself for marriage. And it's such a great story here how they even set that up. But she accidentally gets pregnant. Okay. But she doesn't. She doesn't do it, but she gets pregnant on accident. So if you don't know, you got to check it out for yourself, all right? <laughs> when I saw this, I was like, like, gasp, right? They're just like, ah, oh, I can't believe this is happening. It's like the worst thing ever. Right. And then the drama ensues from there. Yes. And I didn't share this with you, too. My wife, when she was in Kenya, they would watch uh, some soap operas, but it was like Telemundo, like soap oh, operas. Yes. They were in Spanish. Oh no, subtitles. no subtitles. She knew zero what they were saying. Obsessed with them. Oh my god! All right? Obsessed. That's and so, so funny. There's a little thread of that energy in this. Yes, but they work for a reason. Yes, you know what's great about our show is it's a comedy and a drama at the same time. It's um has a lot of important messages that are current to our time, like right. abortion rights and um, political uh, issues like immigration. Um, so it's it's quite intelligent, but it uses comedy and drama and this thread of a telenovela aspect through all of it. And what's great about the telenovela aspect is it gives the writers a chance to 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 do crazy twists in the mm-hmm. in the plot, you oh, know, man. anywhere from like, you know, twins and, you know, uh, you know, somebody's head got chopped off and they come back to life, you know, like crazy yeah. stuff, you know, that you you would see maybe in a telenovela so that you're able to buy into what's happening. So we have an actual real telenovela happening at the same time inside the, the show. And then the show itself has a telenovela thread going all the way through. So it's sort of like a homage to the Latino um, soap operas. Uh, it pays a lot of respect to it, but it has pokes fun at it as well and um, us as actors get to have a great time because we do comedy and drama within the flip of a dime yeah quickly we turn to comedy and drama and it's um you know it's like trying to juggle and keep all all the balls in the air but it's fun speaking of juggling um you know first i want to share this quick parallel Mm -hmm. that you know when you shared your story and just like it's probably the most difficult thing 
especially for a mom to be in a situation of, you know, leaving her kids for a certain amount of time, especially if she's a good mom, you know, mm, like you are. I try. <laughs> and uh, no, you are good. You're a great mom. And my mother-in-law had the same experience, you know, in Kenya, she had to leave her family if she was going to, you know, be successful and break the mold. You know, this was something that was totally unheard of. People were pointing the finger, you know, worried about, and she was worried about that stuff, like what are people going to say about me? She left her family to go to, you know, she had two young daughters and a husband and to go to the UK and to study to become an occupational therapist, which she did. And she became an instructor and she moved her, she picked her family up and moved them to America. Mm. And which was huge. I mean, they literally, their, their house was as big as this room we're in, you know, wow. and this is not a very big room. And she was also the catalyst for me being who I am today as well. Uh, so if it wasn't for her saying yes to that momentary situation and all the heartache involved, which now today, I've never seen a mother and daughter have a better relationship. Never. That's like, awesome. I would want that. Yeah, like, that's what I aspire, but I, I do have it now. Like, yeah. those are my booze. That's right? right. So it's really great to see that. And, you know, so all the fears, but it was for a greater purpose. And it's just like, that was her path and everybody's path is unique. And so for you... And what I want to talk about is with juggling, like I, I saw you boxing, all right? <laughs> How are you, like, where did the health and fitness kind of like, did you, when, when did you get an idea that that mattered and how do you sustain and, and take care of yourself while with this rigorous schedule and travel? Yeah. Um, well, you know, when I was a kid, my dad put me in Taekwondo. He saw that I was kind of like meek and shy and, you know, growing up in a tough neighborhood <laughs> that don't fly, you know, so he wanted to toughen me up a little bit. So um, I was introduced to that for like two years um, studying Taekwondo and I actually really liked it. And then when I got into my 20s, I um, studied Kung Fu and then I started doing Jiu Jitsu. Um, and then also in high school, when I turned a new leaf. There was a fitness class in high school that I used to admire, you know, and I would see them, what they were doing. They were working out with weights and they were running and they were doing like, you know, it wasn't your regular gym class. And um, I went up to the teacher, Mr. Wiles, and I asked him, you know, how do I get in this class? And he goes, oh, well, you have to have good grades. And I was like, I don't have good grades. And he goes, you don't have good grades? Well, you can't get in. He goes, but you get your grades up, you can get in. So that was motivated at that point. And um, sure enough, like a year later, I had good grades. And I went back up to him and I was like, I got good grades. And he was like, well, you can be in my class. So I started running. It was, I was part like uh, two days a week we had to run. And um, that first 10 minutes was torture at the getting through, but eventually built up the strength and stamina to go several miles. And I started doing like half marathons and stuff like that. So that's pretty much where my introduction to fitness started. And it's always been there for me. Um, and, uh, you know, also being on camera, it's kind of important yeah, for me right, to like right. to work out and, and look good. But but besides that, I want to be like my grandmother, 95 years old, still walking every day. Um, you know, she's got her aches and pains and, you know, her little issues here and there. But, um, you know, she's got a clear mind, more or less sound body. Um, and, you know, she's got a quality of life. So for me, that's really important. I want to be around for my kids. You know, my kids, kids, I want to, I don't want to be debilitated. I don't, you know, I want whatever I can control. I'm going to try and control. I mean, you know, things will happen. You can't control everything, but 
you know, I certainly don't want to uh, contribute to it, <laughs> so to speak. So, um, you know, eating right is really important to me. I always feel better about it. I don't know if you know this, but I, I do have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune for thyroid. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a shame, you know, when I was first diagnosed with it, which was like 15 years ago, I asked my, my endocrinologist, is there anything I can do? And he goes, no, all you have to do is take uh, the supplement, you know, just to replace your thyroid uh, hormone. And I was like, oh, okay. And to be honest, that was convenient for me. Right. And so um, come to find out years later, my gynecologist tells me that I have Hashimoto's. At the time, they just told me I was low thyroid. Right. I didn't know I had autoimmune. And so my gynecologist tells me this. And so I'm like, well, what does that mean? And she's like, well, you know, you just have to keep continuing to take your medicine. And then finally, I was like, I'm going to learn about this. And my husband, who's again, I love him. He was like, there's got to be something you can do. Have you looked it up? You should look it up. There's got to be something, you know, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And sure enough, I started looking it up and found out that for my condition, I needed to be gluten-free, that I needed to be dairy-free, um, low-carb, uh, all, all kinds of things that I found out, which were all great anyway. And as soon as I started eating better, I started feeling better. Um, and, and I noticed the difference if I, if I cheat. You know, I'm like, damn, why did I have that piece of bread? My God, I don't feel good, you know. Um, and so I, you know, don't want to continue to hurt myself any further than my body is already doing. Yeah. And so the nutrition part is really important. Wow. I didn't know that that was a catalyst as well underneath the surface. We've done, you know, master classes on Hashimoto's. Yeah. Uh, Isabella Wentz was a guest. Yes, I remember. Yeah. New York Times bestselling book and all that good stuff. But I'm so glad, like, to be a resource, you know? Like, I'm that's so glad you're do. my resource. Yeah. <laughs> I got to tell you, really, it's important. And the funny thing is, you know, my husband and I talk and about nutrition and things like that. And our kids are kind of, like, annoyed with us most of the time because it's maybe we all go overboard with all these things. And sometimes when we're on a long car trip or whatever, we're subjecting them to podcasts. But I like to think that as much as they protest and complain and all this other stuff, I still think some things are getting in. Definitely. I think, yeah. yeah, because, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so if my husband are trying to be, my husband and I are trying to be the best people that we can be, I feel like, and I hope that my children will do the same. And here's an interesting example. This is how I know it's working. I went shopping with my daughter. We went food shopping. Mm -hmm. So we're, go, we walk up to the cashier and there's uh, people in front of us and they have their food on the conveyor belt and we're putting our food on the conveyor belt. And then my daughter goes, she, she goes to me, she elbows me and she goes, look, and they have one wonder bread on the, on the, on the conveyor belt. <laughs> and she goes, Ugh. and she's just like, it was like a tisk tisk. And she was like, Oh, they don't know. Mm, they, they don't, don't know. know. And I was like, damn. So she has been listening. I was like, so, that was like a proud parenting moment for yeah. me when that happened because so often she's very rebellious to us about eating healthy. Mm -hmm. But that was proof to me that something is sinking in. Yeah. So anyway. Wow. I wonder. Wonder bread. Wonder wow, bread. That's crazy. I was like, I, do they still they make still wonder bread? They still have that? That's bread? what I thought when you what said it. It's like, really? They, I didn't even know it still existed. It's staying power. It's that glue. It's that gluten. You oh, know, man. Sticky. Oh, wow. That's such a great story. So, <laughs> you know, um, 
just your 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 story is amazing. What you represent is amazing, and I would love you know just kind of in in parting, one of the last things I want to ask you about uh, your your character. You've extracted some things from your personal life. Like you can really like this. It seems like there's a lot of you in it, but not like the you who I know, but mm-hmm. something close to you. Right. And so for your role on the show as Jane's mother, where did you extract that that inspiration from? Siomara is a very uh, outgoing, vivacious, energetic, sexy woman. She has no qualms about expressing her sexuality or, or sensuality. And um, it's so different for me. I am just, I, I like to think I'm the girl next door. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm tooting my own horn. I don't know if that's good, but I am much more conservative, much more reserved. In fact, I'm usually an introvert in an extroverted job. So it's, uh, you know, I have to work to make myself outgoing. Um, but my grandmother, 95 years old, back in the day was always this vivacious, sexy woman who had no qualms about expressing it. And I, I always remember her with the grass straw hat, the farmer's hat that said Puerto Rico on it. And she had like a Budweiser can in one hand and she was always dancing in the life of the party. Um, and I remember like being five years old and, and her, you know, pulling me to the side while we were dancing salsa. And she would say, mira, Andrea, you are a girl. And girls have to be sexy. <laughs> so you have to shake your hips. Mira, I see, look like this, like this. So shake your hips, shake your hips. And I'd be like, yes, grandma. And I would shake my <laughs> hips for her to try to make her happy. But um, that is Siomara. It's yeah. my grandmother. Oh, that's <laughs> so awesome. And also um, the role itself, you know, um, Jane's mom is a single, single mother as well. And you grew up in that, um, that atmosphere with your mother as well. Very strong woman. Yes, um, I would say that really Siomara embodies all of the women that I grew up with, my grandmother, my mother, and my aunts. Um, they were all of the ones that kept our family together, kept the roof over our heads, food in our bellies, clothes on our backs. They were the ones that worked really, really hard and, and modeled for us how to take care of a family uh, no matter what. Love it. Listen. You're one of my favorite people. It's official. Really? Yes. All right. You're going to keep me around? <laughs> <laughs> I love hanging out with you. And you. I love the, the the energy that you bring. And I love what you stand for. Um, I love that you love your kids. I love that you um, tr- are embracing just how important what you're doing is. And I think that you're going to do a lot more of that. And so I want to keep people's eyes on you, make sure they're following you. So can you let everybody know where they can connect with you online, like follow you, Instagram, sure. which I love. Yes. And also let them know where they can find the show. Yes. Uh, so uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, it's at Andrea Navetto. And um, they can watch Jane the Virgin on Netflix and on the CW Network. So on Netflix, Jane the Virgin has the first four seasons on. And uh, next fall, season five, which is yet to be filmed, uh, will start appearing. So uh, on the CW network. Awesome. And that's where I was watching is Netflix. Thank goodness. Yes. Hashtag fire stick, maybe hashtag illegal, but you know, all good. <laughs> so final question. Yes. What is the model that you're here to set with the way you live your life personally? Wow. Um, 
the model that I'm here to set is to not let excuses hold you back, uh, to be um, a woman of integrity and to be an example to my children and to be an example to other women in the world that you can be a mom and you can still pursue your dreams and, you know, be the best person that you can be. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Simple and powerful. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're the best. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. There's some credible insights here and she's such a great storyteller as well. And I just really <laughs> felt like I was there with her along this journey and make sure of course to check out the show, but most importantly, check her out online and follow her on Instagram or whatever social media that you're that you're uh, frequenting because she's just the inspirational figure and uh, I'm glad to call her a friend now. So one of the things that she shared with me before was that if it feels light, it feels right. And I love that statement so much. If it feels light, it feels right. When she took that plane trip in a situation where psychologically in a way she's quote leaving her family to pursue something that was much bigger than herself, um, she felt uh, she felt this experience of it feeling light, you know, and just she knew that this was the right thing for her and that she made the right decision. Cut to changing culture. Cut to exposing her kids to the most amazing things that you know many of us dream of as as um, as kids and also as adults that we can be able to do for our children. And it all came from her moving through that fear, you know, because she shared with me that she was terrified of failure. Like that's really the catalyst behind everything in, you know, her like thinking her husband wasn't going to go for her leaving or that, you know, the story with leaving her kids, it was really fear of failure. And when she won, she won big. And I'm just so happy and grateful and proud of her and proud of all of us for stepping into that, um, stepping out of our comfort zone, because I'll tell you one thing. I remember seeing Chris Rock live and he had up on the stage, like in these big letters that, um, comfort is death, you know? So it's just like, this is something that literally is going to take you out. All right. Because if we're living in this comfort zone, we're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're lit, you're not life. All of life is moving forward and continuously to, to grow and evolve. So if you're not growing, you're not just staying the same, you're going backwards. All right. So keep that in mind, get out of the comfort zone, proactively get yourself out of your comfort zone. So life doesn't have to do it for you because it will. All right. Stuff is going to happen. But if we can really cultivate ourselves, because one of the things that she did, she was qualifying herself for the moment when it came. So start qualifying yourself. This is why we train. You know, I remember somebody coming up to me when I was training on the track not too long ago. And, you know, it was a guy who was a little bit older than me. He came over to me. He was like, because I was doing sprints and I was giving 120. He was like, are you, what are you training for? You know, I was like, what are you training for, buddy? And I, I just literally caught me off guard. I was like, for life, you know, training for life. I'm just staying ready, you know, for whatever life brings me. So that's one proactive way we can get into discomfort is training our physical body. But also what about spiritually? What are you doing to get yourself out of your comfort zone? With your relationships, what are you doing to get yourself out of your comfort zone? With your career, right? All these different areas, proactively do those things because it's just going to build you up stronger and make sure that you're ready for when your moment comes because it will. All right, I appreciate you immensely. Make sure to share this out with your friends and family on social media. And of course, you could tag me 
and you can tag the amazing Andrea as well and let her know what you thought of the episode. I appreciate you so much. We've got some incredible stuff coming up, so make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.